Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and blessing. We thank you, Father, for your word. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives illumination, enlightens our spirit, enlightens our minds, Father. Glory to God so that we can do the things that are uh, found in the word, so that we can not just be hearers, but doers of the word, acting on the word. We thank you, Father. Glory to God. We look to you today. As we're in prayer, Father, we're also mindful of those who are in authority. The Apostle Paul said we should pray for those who are in authority. And so we're doing that today. We pray for all of our government leaders in, in Washington and the various states around the country, right here in Florida, right here in our own county, right here in our own city. All who are in authority, Father, we pray for each and every one of them, Lord, that you give them guidance and direction. Glory to God. Father, if, those, uh, if there are men and women in government who have any heart, Father, to do the right thing, we ask you, Lord, to help them. Glory to God, to help them, encourage them, move them in the right direction, Lord. Glory to God. Those, Father, who are stiff-necked and, and rebellious against you, Father, we ask you, Lord, that they'd be removed from the, from the scene through the normal uh, process, Father, that they'd be uh, removed from office, voted out of office, so forth. People that, that won't do right need to go. Glory to God, so that righteousness and truth would prevail. Father, that morality and, and, and principles uh, that are according to the word of God would be endorsed and, and welcomed in our country. We thank you for that. Father, reveal every hidden thing that needs to come to light. Glory to God. Father, that the truth may prevail. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank God. Turn with me today, if you would, in your Bible to Romans chapter one. Romans, the first chapter. Romans chapter one, let's start in verse 15. Paul said, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Well, what he preached in Rome will work here in Alachua and High Springs, won't it? <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek or the Gentile. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Now, last week I was out of town. Pastor Greg ministered. I appreciate that. Uh, did a good job. And uh, uh, Pastor Angel and I were on vacation. And uh, so it's good to be back, praise God. No place like home. The week before that, I took a, this text and we talked about faith. And I want to go a little bit further today. This, the message today uh, comes naturally after the message two weeks ago, but this is really a new series that I'm starting today. And I'm going to pick up with one of the points that I ended with two weeks ago. But I want to call this series a faith tune-up. A faith tune-up. How many of you have, a, have an automobile? 
Does it need to be tuned up once in a while? Yeah. If you don't tune it up, it, it's, it's, it starts getting where it just doesn't run right. Gas mileage drops off, just doesn't run smooth, skips around. It's, and, and, if you, and if you leave it long enough, it'll break down on you. Isn't that right? Well, faith has to be maintained. Amen. Everything has to be maintained. Our, our, mar- our, our marriages need tune-ups from, now, from time to time, don't they? Yeah, if you just ignore your marriage just because, well, I'm married, so I don't have to think about that again. No, if you, if you want to stay happy, you're going to have to maintain your marriage. Isn't that right? You're going to have to do some tune-ups from time to time. If you have a computer, you have to tune it up from time to time. It'll start running sluggish and slow and, and uh, just not doing right. You have to go in there and open up and find, you find all these things that have, have turned themselves on and they're just running in the background. You have to tune it up every now and then, clean all that out. Amen. I mean, you have to tune up your hair every now and then. Your haircut just gets weird. You have to tune it up. Isn't that right? Everything that's important has to be tuned up. Everything that's live or working has to be tuned up. Well, our faith has to be tuned up. And you can take your automobile in and you can, get a, you can have a major tune-up or a minor tune-up. If you have a minor tune-up, they just check one or two things. If you have a major tune-up, it's going to be in there all day. Isn't that right? Maybe longer. And they're going to look into the, into the fuel system and into the ignition system and, and, and to, they're going to check the air filter and the gas filter and they're going to check your, 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 uh, your, you know, your starter and your alternator. I mean, they're just going to check everything. Isn't that right? Well, this is going to be a major tune-up of faith. Amen. And we're going, to, we're going to check into all the different systems of faith, all the different mechanisms of faith and tune ourselves up. Amen. Amen. I, one of the questions I asked two weeks ago just, you know, in my message, I, I asked this question, why is faith so important? Why, why do we emphasize faith? Why is it so important? Well, you know the, the technical answer to that is found in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, him being God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That means that No matter what else you do, no matter how right you are in any other area, if you're not in faith, you're still not pleasing God. You can do the right thing and not be in faith and it won't count. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, faith isn't the only thing that pleases God. Other things please him. But those other things that are pleasing to him don't bring any merit if you're not in faith. Being out of faith cancels those things out. Now, if you're in faith, you can do, you can, that pleases God. You, you can walk in love and that pleases God. You, you can do right and that pleases God. You, you can, there's a lot of good things that you can do, but faith has to be working. You have to be in faith. Amen. Well, what is that, what, what's, it, what's it even talking about, being in faith? Well, go with me over to Romans chapter 3. We're going to pick up uh, with some of the things we said before just uh, on this point. In in, uh, Romans chapter 3, let's start in verse number 10. Verses 10 through 18 describe the natural state of mankind. The natural state of fallen man, unregenerate, unsaved, just man in his natural condition. It says, we'll begin in verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 
There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouths, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now you read that, you, you might be tempted to say, hold on a minute, I'm not that bad. And even when I was unsaved, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't shedding blood and, you know, killing people and all that. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Well, you have to understand that people have uh, been conditioned to do better because of religion, because of the influence primarily of the gospel. Go back with me to Genesis, the sixth chapter. I want to give you a picture of man before the influence of God. After the fall of man, we know that Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. And we find then that the eldest son murdered his brother. Cain killed Abel. So right in the first family, right after the fall of man. I mean, it didn't even go one generation without major sin, without murder. And you have Cain killing his brother. Now, in the, in the chapters that follow that, the first three or four or five chapters, they go through a lot of, a lot of genealogy. Uh, and it, and it uh, covers, you know, about a thousand years or a little better of history. But in chapter six, he goes back and summarizes what took place during those chapters, during the, the, the genealogy, when one person begat another person, begat another person, begat another person. Chapter six, verse one, looks back over the whole span of this. And it says, it came to pass, verse number one, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man or will not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now when God created Adam in the beginning, his, his lifespan wasn't supposed to be 120 years. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, they'd still be alive today. See, sin entered the world, Romans says, and death by sin, spiritual death first and then physical death later. And so God said, you know, I'm not going to put up with this forever and I'm going to limit man's uh, time frame to 120 years. Verse four says there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. 
So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The picture that we see here of mankind devoid of the knowledge of God, devoid of any scriptural uh, boundaries, devoid of any knowledge of God, any, any instruction about God, you see that the world was in a horrible condition. And it says here that, that wickedness was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of, of the heart of man was only evil continually. It was a bloodthirsty environment, a horrible place to live. There were giants in the earth who had, who had been born to women who had, uh, had relations with angels, fallen uh, beings, angels. They refer to them here as sons of God were walking the earth in, in, in physical form. And uh, uh, they had uh, relations with natural women and produced a race of giants. And, and the earth was just full of corruption and, and hatred and, and bloodshed and violence and evil. And it was just scheming constantly. It wasn't a good place to live. <laughs> That's the condition of man without God. Amen. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 3 and pick up where we left off. Romans chapter 3. Hallelujah. We left off in the 18th verse with this stinging uh, uh, description of man, indictment of man and his condition. Verse 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty for, before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified or made righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, the law that, when it refers to the law here, it's talking about the law of Moses that was given to the children of Israel uh, long after Noah's time, long after Abraham's time, 400 years after his time, Moses came on the scene and God delivered the law, his law, and it's contained in the first five books of the Old Testament. Lots of commandments, lots of instructions. It really regulated every part of uh, the Israelites' life. Every part of the Jewish person's life was regulated by law. And uh, go, go with me over to Leviticus. I want, you, I want you to see this. Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus, Leviticus 19, <clears throat> verse number 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
God is a holy God. And he demanded that the children of Israel, that the congregation of Israel, that's the ordinary people, not just the priests, but everybody. He demanded that they live holy lives, above reproach, sinless lives. He said, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, I'm holy. If you go over to uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said something very similar to this. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse number 48. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Everybody see that? What color is that? It's red letter. Jesus said that. Lest you think that the introduction of the gospel is God winking at sin. It's not true. God demands holiness. He demands righteousness, righteous living. He expects that from his people. Always has, always will. But it's interesting that the law was given knowing that that nobody could keep it. Go back to Romans again. Go back to Romans. Look at the third chapter. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be made righteous, justified or made righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. If you go over to the seventh chapter, he explains that a little more clearly. In in Romans chapter seven, beginning in verse number seven, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire or coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. See, man's nature, the problem with man, uh, unregenerate man, is his nature's wrong. And so God gave the law, and this law uh, described how he was to behave in moral terms as it it uh, referred to every aspect of life. Every aspect of life was covered in this moral law. What you do, what you don't do. And it all, uh, all it did was show man how incapable he was of keeping the law. So when God gave the law, even though he he gave it because he demands holiness, he demands perfection, Jesus said it. You'll be perfect, just like your father in heaven's perfect. That's a pretty tall order. But you see, the nature of man is what prevents him from being perfect and being holy. And so the law, all the law does is identify it. 
See, before the law came, men were sinful. We saw in Genesis how they acted and how they behaved. But you know what? They, they, weren't, they weren't given any kind of a standard to live by. Nobody told them it was wrong to murder and steal and, 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 uh, and, and carry on and all the things. that there, there, was, there was no commandment given. There were a few people along the way who, had an, uh, who responded to an inward knowing on the end. Anybody could have done this. But there were a few people. Adam wasn't one of them. Enoch was. Enoch was one of those. Hebrews chapter 11, it starts talking about the heroes of faith. It starts, it starts with Enoch. Enoch was a man who lived during this time of all of this re- rebellion and corruption in the earth. Yet the Bible says Enoch walked with God. How do you do it? By faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God. Isn't that right? By faith, Noah walked with God. So there were a few men along the way, just a very few Anybody could have done it. Anybody could have responded here from, their, from the knowing that's on the inside of every person and, and, and said something, something causes me to, to, to reach out beyond this world, to reach out and, and to know God. They didn't have any instruction. But people did whatever they wanted to do. Whatever was best for them was what was the law that people lived by. And... God knew that man wouldn't be able to keep the law, and yet he gave it. He gave it for this reason, so that people would identify how their nature was fallen. And if a person, if you could imagine a person, no one's like this has ever lived except the Lord Jesus, but he wasn't fallen. He, he, he wasn't a fallen uh, person. He, he was uh, conceived without sin. But uh, any other natural person, if you could think of someone who could just so take control of themselves, someone who could so completely master their every physical and natural impulse, it would be, it would be a 24-hour, it would be every waking minute, and even your dreams would torment you. But every waking minute, you, you, that would be your full-time job. To, to control your thoughts and your, and, and your actions and to do nothing wrong. If a person could master himself through all of the force of, of willpower, if he could master himself and bring all of his actions into line so that he kept the law, you know, he still wouldn't be righteous because his nature's still wrong. All he has to do is relax for a minute and he's gonna sin. I mean, he's just gonna sin just like that. Something's going to happen, temptation's going to come, and he's going to fall. He'd have to stay on guard uh, every waking minute of, of, of every day, all of his life, and, and you couldn't do that. But even if you could, it wouldn't make you righteous because the want to sin is still there. The impulse of sin is still there. The nature of sin is still there. So God gave the law to show people where their problem was, to show all of us, to show the world that the whole world might become guilty before God so that he could show them the way out of that. Now go over to Galatians. Let's see where it is. Hallelujah. Go to Galatians chapter 3. 
Start in verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. That's, re- that's referring to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. But now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. See, God had a plan for delivering people from their sinful nature. And it wasn't the law. The law wasn't designed to do that. Faith was designed to do that. It was the plan all along to put everything on the basis of faith. Notice, the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. For, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be made righteous by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. How important is faith? Why is it so important? It is the principle that God has dictated that if you're gonna walk with me, if you're gonna please me, you're gonna have to do it by faith. Now, I I made this point that God required holiness in the Old Testament. He required people live right. Of course, they couldn't and he knew it, but that that was the standard. You live right. Well, the standard's just as high in the New Testament. Yeah. We don't, we don't live by the Ten Commandments, but, but stealing is still wrong. Lying is still wrong. Isn't that right? Killing, murdering is still wrong. Adultery and fornication is still wrong. Isn't that right? No, nothing has changed in terms of righteous living. God is the same. He, still, he demanded righteous living under the law. He demands it under the New Testament. But the difference is how you get there. God determined that your good conduct would amount to nothing until you get born again, until you exercise faith. See, what God requires is for you, is, is for a sinner to recognize God's way of being made righteous. Uh, go over to Romans again. Go to uh, the 10th chapter of Romans. Romans chapter 10. Here, the apostle Paul talks about the failure of uh, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, the time of Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse number one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. See, Paul was, an, was a Jew. He was an Israelite, an Israeli. He loved his people. He loved his nation. He loved his, uh, his brethren, you know, in, in Judaism. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, 
but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who, the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will descend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, God put our salvation on the basis of faith alone. Can't get, any there, can't get there any other way. I tell you, that makes faith very important. That tells you how important faith is to God. That it is the requirement. It is the way. It's the only way to salvation. It's the only way. You have to, you have to completely uh, disavow your own acts of righteousness, your own effort to clean yourself up. You have to turn your back on that and say, that's a total failure. It won't work. I'm gonna stop that completely and come to God and just say, I'm gonna believe in the provision God made for me and that provision was Christ. See, that's what faith is. Faith is believing in the provision of God to meet your need. That's what faith is. Faith, it's turning your back on any other provision. It's turning your back on other things and saying, no, I, God has provided something for me and I'm gonna just believe him and act on it. So it's not just believing. He said, with the heart man believes, but with the mouth confession is made. See, a person has to act on their salvation. Do you know there are millions and millions, probably untold uh, millions of people who actually believe the gospel story. They actually believe that Jesus lived and died and that he's the son of God, that he was raised from the dead. They believe that, you know, Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. They believe he was raised from the dead. They believe in him. They believe that, that being saved and receiving Christ as your savior is the only way into heaven. They believe it, but they haven't done it yet. See, they haven't acted on it yet. We used to have a, 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 a phrase we used in, you know, growing up in church, we talked about people who were running from God. You know, and, and that would that describes somebody that uh, maybe they were raised in church and they know to do right. They, they, they're, they're convinced that, that Jesus is the only way, that if, if you're going to go to heaven, you have to believe on him, be born again. They know that, but they're putting it off. They're putting it off. They're running from God. They know, they know what they need to do, but they won't do it. And there's all these reasons. Well, you know, if I, if I give my life over to God, then he, you know, he'll require me to do something I won't do, I don't, I don't want to do. You know, he'll ruin my life. He'll, he'll make me become a missionary, send me to some place that I hate. He'll take all my fun away from me. So there's all these reasons why, but, but yet they, they know Jesus is the Savior and they believe that. What's wrong? They haven't acted on it. In Jesus' day, Scripture says there were Pharisees who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but they would not confess him because of fear. Well, you know, after Jesus went to the cross and was raised from the dead, if those Jews 
who believed in him but wouldn't confess him, if they stayed in that, conf- in, in that, in that case just believing but afraid, but afraid to confess Christ because of what other people would think, if they stayed that way, they died and went to hell even though they believed in him. And there are people in the world today who are unsaved. They're, they're, they're on their way to a devil's hell and they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? What's the problem? They haven't acted on it. They haven't acted on what they believe. They haven't actually confessed Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. So, so faith is putting your confidence and trust, believing in God's provision for you. And that principle of faith, God is it's so important with God, he said, that's going to be the basis for you to even get into heaven. You can't get anything from me. You can't even be saved. The most important thing in life is your salvation. It's by faith. That's pretty important. Amen. Now, in order to partake of any of God's blessings, salvation, starting with, with you know, the new birth, you're going to partake of it. You're going to exercise faith in his provision. Isn't that right? Well, in anything else. See, a lot of people today who don't understand the faith message. You know, we're a word of faith church. And, and the reason people don't understand it is they have, a, they have a, a, a different standard. When it comes to salvation and other things. In other words, they, they understand the principle of faith for salvation, but they think that the other blessings of God, they don't come by faith. And whenever a person starts exercising faith, real Bible faith, for something that God says belongs to him, like a, a, a physical healing or a financial need, start speaking words of faith, they, they, they criticize that and say, well, now you're trying to manipulate God. You can't, you can't just manipulate God. He's going to do what he wants to do. And it's up to him whether you get healed or you have your financial need met. And so all of this faith stuff of, of believing you receive it and confessing the word, that's, that's manipulative because God is sovereign. Listen, when you exercise faith for a physical need, something here in this life, a, a natural need, when you exercise faith for that, if it's something that God has promised, you're no more manipulating God then the sinner is manipulating God when he believes on Jesus. Nobody would say, now, you know, you, 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 you can't just absolutely claim your salvation because, you know, it's up to God. Well, you know, there, there was a time when that was a popular belief in the church. Predestination. And, and people believed, you know, that, well, it was up to God whether you got saved or not. Well, thank God the, the church world got, became enlightened. That's not true. Anybody. Why? Because God made provision for salvation. If he made provision for it, you can act on it. You can act on it on, on your own initiative. You can just decide one day, I'm going to get right with God. Jesus said, whosoever. That means you can do it. Means anybody can do it anytime. Well, the same thing is true where any other area of, uh, of need is, is, is uh, concerned. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse number 2 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom. Now, the context here, of course, it would apply, apply to wisdom for anything. You could use this, but, but it, it's talking here about wisdom when you're going through a test or a trial. It says that uh, the trying of your faith produces patience. Well, patience is, is something that uh, takes some time, doesn't it? Pa- the, the very word patient implies, you know, a, 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 a time, a, a span of time. The trying of your faith produces patience. Patience has a work to, to do in you. But during that, how many of you have experienced whenever you're believing God for something and, uh, and your faith is being tried and you're patient, you're required to exercise patience and you know, God's working patience. How many of you have, have, have discovered you need wisdom during that time? You need a lot of wisdom during that time because you, you can't just react you know, the, the, the way, uh, you know, you can't just do the first thing that comes to your mind. You, you need the wisdom of God. How do, I, how do I conduct myself during this time? I believe I've received it. I don't have it. Uh, you know, give me some wisdom, Lord. Well, he said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Now, I want to add here, Jesus said when he talked about faith, he talked about doubting in your heart. This isn't isn't referring to thoughts of doubt. You could have thoughts of doubt, but this is referring to doubt in your heart. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When you're you're standing in faith and thoughts of doubt come to your mind, uh, you know, you can't prevent thoughts coming into your mind. It's what you do with them. It's how you treat them, whether you entertain them or not. And you can be single-minded on the word. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to believe the word. I, I have it in my heart. I'm believing in my heart. I'm not doubting. Thoughts of doubt come into your mind. You just answer them with the word. You're not being double-minded. You're being single-minded. Amen? Why? Uh, because faith is of the heart. You have to get to the place where you believe it in your heart. We'll get into that a little later. But the point here is that God required faith and does require faith for our salvation. He requires faith for everything else, healing. Uh, For instance, look at uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Hallelujah. Centurion, verse number 5, came to Jesus pleading with him. Matthew 8, 5. The centurion, centurion... said, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, 
but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done to you. Other places, we read of the, of the, uh, the paralytic that was let down from the roof. Jesus saw his faith. The woman with the issue of blood, he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. The two blind men, he said, your faith has made you whole. The Syrophoenician woman, he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So over and over and over, people came to Jesus for their healing and they received it on the basis of their faith. And if people wouldn't believe, then they wouldn't be healed. So God requires faith for healing. Go over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The answer is he does it by the hearing of faith. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, that, that's a, that's a, a, a gift and a blessing that belongs to all of God's people. But you're going to have to exercise faith to get it. Isn't that right? You're going to have to exercise faith. <clears throat> Let me correct myself. You get to exercise faith. I don't like to put it on, on those terms. You know, faith, the same faith that, got you, that, that resulted in you being born again, that got you saved, that same faith will get you healed. That same faith will, will, will uh, uh, enable you to receive the Holy Spirit. Miracles come by faith. Amen. Jesus even gave a broader uh, uh, thing here in Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark chapter 11. Verse 24, Jesus said, well, in verse 22, he said, have faith in God. I mentioned that this morning. That's why we give out this book. Exceedingly growing faith. It's to teach people how to believe God. Say, so teach people how to believe God? Yeah, you have to teach people how to believe God because the whole world's teaching people how not to believe God. Everything around us is, it teaches continually unbelief. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. For verily I, verily I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, there's that part that I mentioned, but believes that those things which he says will be done, <clears throat> he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. That means exercise faith. I said that means exercise faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. So Jesus said, we've already seen that salvation comes through faith. Healing comes through faith. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes through faith. Miracles come through faith. Jesus said, Whatever you need, everything, anything that you ask God for, how are you going to receive it? Believe that you have received it. That means exercise faith. Faith covers everything. And, and so, you know, it, 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 sometimes I marvel that people who put up such a fuss and, and, and put up such resistance to the message of faith where healing and blessing and 
you know, all, all the blessings of God where, where they're, they put up a, a, such a resistance to faith in those things and yet <clears throat> they'll acknowledge that God requires faith before anybody can be born again. Even good conduct won't work. I mean, when it comes to, to, to other needs, people, people have all different uh, sorts of schemes about how, you know, you should approach your physical need. If you have a physical need, you need healing in your body. Religion says, well, you know, might be God's will that you be this way. Uh, maybe he's trying to teach you something. Uh, maybe if you would uh, straighten up, you know, and live right and do right, you know, God would heal you. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, there's all these suggestions they have, but when it comes to salvation, they acknowledge none of those things will work there. God's not trying to, God's not trying to teach the sinner something by rubbing his nose in his sin. <laughs> He's not keeping the sinner, you know, uh, uh, in, in unbelief. He's not, trying to, he's not trying to teach him something. He's, he's offering. Now, the law came to teach him something, but we've, we've way past the law, the days of the law. God's not, God's not using the law today to teach anybody anything. God's using the gospel to offer salvation. And how's he, how's he do it? What's the principle? Believe in the provision God has made and act on it. Well, that's what faith is. Amen. That's why we do it. Yeah. Now, here in, uh, well, we'll stop here. Glory to God. Next time, we'll talk about different kinds of faith, different levels of faith. Amen. Bible talks about great faith, little faith, strong faith, weak faith, no faith, faithless, faithful. <laughs> and I can tell you this, I'll give you a little preview the difference between great faith and little faith or no faith isn't up to God. Whether or not you have uh, great faith or no faith, isn't, isn't God, it's not God's problem. It's not up to him. It's not, it's not uh, a matter of, of, uh, of uh, fate. It's not a matter of predestination. It's not a matter of chance. Some people just lucked up. They're just a brave person, just has a lot of faith. That's not true. You don't luck up and get faith. Faith isn't a lucky draw. <laughs> we'll get into that next time. Praise God. We're going to get our faith tuned up. Amen. Praise God. We're living in a good time to be exercising faith. Exciting times to see God come through. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.